Welcome to For the Love of First Responders, where partners of first responders get real about mental health, the family, and finding support within the culture, as well as navigating the complexity of what they are experiencing at home. Well, just want to welcome you back. Um, Last time went so well. I thought it was so fun to get to know you guys and just really hear your perspective on what it's like to be the supporter of a first responder at home and like kind of that whole process of it's really stood out to me how much of a load you guys carry at home to kind of give them the support that they need, right? And have them be part of the family, but at the same time, you know, support what they do and just the sacrifice that you make, which really you know, like I said, was like enlightened to me because I see what the first responders, their sacrifice, but it was, you know, and I know that, that there's a whole nother aspect to this and and you guys really did a great job and I appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing about that. And I think it went really well and listened to it back. And I was really happy with how real you were. And I I think people will be drawn to that. So I really appreciate um, you being willing to be vulnerable and, and help other people that might be in the same boat, you know, and we focused on getting them into treatment, kind of what it's like been like for them in treatment, what you're doing to take care of yourself and how it's been helpful. And, and maybe we'll do a follow-up because I know Jeff just got home uh, or back with you. You guys took a little time, right? To yourselves for a few days. And, and now he just got home yesterday with the family. Uh, the before. Oh, Monday with the family. Yeah. And so you're just transitioning and kind of going through the ups and downs and like figuring things out, yeah. sounds like. Yeah. And and then Kat, Brad's coming home Friday, yeah. right? So in two days. Yes. And so you're looking forward to that. But you've been through this again. So you kind of, I mean, been through this before. So you, yeah. you kind of know how to navigate that, but still hopefully some new, still new things. Yeah. yeah different. Definitely. So yeah, maybe in a couple of weeks, we'll check in with you guys on that and how that transition's going. And I think that could really help people too. So, but today I wanted to throw a a topic out there that I think is so important that I see with clients that I work with kind of over and over and over again. And that I've noticed even in my interactions with them. And, you know, we talked about this at coffee a couple of weeks ago. And I mentioned like being married to a first responder and interact, it's just a different animal. Like it's just different, you know? And I think so many Partners don't understand that or, you know, and I think Denise, you talked about like, oh, your friends who is a, whose spouse is a, you know, a computer programmer (laughs) or a school teacher and and you kind of were longing for like, oh, that normalcy and, but it's, it's different. Right. And so, Mm -hmm. and so that's kind of what I see. And, and there's some, and this is something I think if it's understood could be so simple to change and just make a big difference in the way like communication goes, because so Clients often get phone calls, of course, you guys know that. And sometimes they'll come off a phone call and either, you know, it wasn't your husband, but, um, you know, come off a phone call and, and I see kind of what they're going through and what like some slight changes, how, how big of difference it could make. And so just to kind of explain what I see in the culture, and you guys can kind of tell me if this is what you notice too, if I'm right about this. As the first responder, you're supposed to keep work and family separate, right? You don't make things personal. Calls that happen, you just, you know, shut your heart off, shut your... Which, they're human, they're not robots. And so this is probably not realistic, but that's kind of the message that's been passed down for probably generations, this culture of like, just keep it separate. Don't bring home what you see at work and, 
you know, don't make things at work personal. And that's just a big kind of expectation of them. And when they do that, they really judge themselves as weak, you know, when they kind of have that crossover. And, and so what I see is, and when I, you know, put this out there to you, Denise, Jeff kind of chimed in on on this, but you know, what I see is like, they have a little capacity for like the everyday complaints, you know, like just the like little stuff that I think, especially as women, and I know I'm really good at this, like, oh, this, this went wrong today. You know, it's almost like a way that we bond Yes, and, you know, like (laughs) Starbucks order went wrong or like, you know, like the kids, you know, oh, poor me. Or, um, I kind of mentioned earlier, like I just got my nails done and one already cracked, you know, and it's like, you know, those little things and we're trying to bond or connect, but, but it ends up. And as, as I've noticed them how come off a phone call like that. That there's so much intensity going on because they want to be there for, for you. You know what I mean? And they want to support you, but they, there's something happening inside of them where they just don't have the capacity for that. And I think, I think it definitely is kind of a nervous system response. They definitely have a full load that they're carrying on their nervous system and their capacity maybe is a little smaller, but also their perspective on the world is really different, you know? And, and when I kind of threw it out there, when Jeff was on and you were on speaker and I said, you know, complaining about the kids and, you know, maybe you'll bring this in Denise, but I'll just mention it now. And Jeff was like, yeah, you know, you come home and and they're complaining about the kids and you just came from a call with a dead baby, you right. know? And so that perspective is just so vastly different yes. mm-hmm. and, and you don't know what they've come off of because they have this culture of like not crossing it over. And uh-huh. some, and some of that I think is healthy to not bring home the, the, you know, and relive it with you. I think some of that is pretty healthy, but the reality is you don't know what they've just come off of, you know? Right. Yeah. And, and also kind of what I sense from them is They've sacrificed so much their mental health, their family, you know, their their self for this to make our society like safer. That kind of it's kind of irritating to them that we complain about the little stuff when, you know, and I shared with this with you guys at coffee. Like I have a client had a client, I was riding my um, you know, my electric bike home, which is all uphill one mile. And <laughs> And the battery was low and I was worried that I wouldn't have the the power to kind of go up the hill. You'd and I complained to one of the clients who was sitting out there by my bike and, and he's like, well, at least, you know, at least it's only a mile. But kind of what I sensed was like, you know, at least you, you're healthy and you can, you can ride a bike uphill, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's kind of like, and I, I immediately kind of said, oh yeah, there it is. You know what I mean? That, yeah that low capacity for like the little everyday complaints that really are, are insignificant, you yeah. know, but we, we kind of use those to kind of connect with people or bond, but it, it can really interfere. And I think a lot of times, you know, especially when they get to level of treatment, which is what I see. So, you know, the clients that I see, they're overwhelmed and they're, you know, they haven't learned how to process grief, which is so huge. And they're going through that and they want to be the strong one. Like they want to be the helper and fixer. the yeah. fixer. And, and so there's this internal like intensity and there's so much shame and they judge themselves because all of this is kind of going on at once and, and they don't, they just kind of implode and shut down. And sometimes that comes out as like anger aimed at you because they just want the conversation to be over. Yeah. 
or they just shut down and, and, or they go blank, you know, that blank look, yes, <laughs> yes. they're nodding really Very familiar with that one, <laughs> that yep. blank look, and they kind of, which is called disassociation. Yep. And, and that's a, a trauma response and they just, and they get overwhelmed and, sh- and shut down and then you feel not hurt. And it's just this yep. huge misunderstanding and they're yep. misunderstanding themselves, you know, and that's my job is to kind of help them see all of that. And, and I'm working on my end for that. But, you know, I mentioned like, gosh, could we have like a one through 10 scale? One is like the nail that got chipped in the Starbucks order, you know, <laughs> that got wrong. And then, you know, 10 is, you know, like a death in the family. And then somewhere in between, there are real things that you guys need to coordinate on and partner on, like with budgeting or parenting where they do need, you know, Practical. you need to, yeah. yeah, we need to find like capacity to like work together on these things. But are there like that one through four scale where you can call each other your girlfriend and complain, you know, or you're, you know what I mean? Or yes. just, you know, journal about it or something like, you know what I mean? Find another way. And, and, and so anyway, I'm going to throw that out there. I have some ideas of where to head with this, you know, like we're kind of talking about what not to do, which I don't like to focus a ton on. I do have some ideas when it's, you know, on what to do. And, and I think we'll get to that at the end. But as I say all of this, I see you guys kind of nodding your head, writing ideas <laughs> down. And so I'm excited to hear what you see from your perspective and at home and what, yeah, what's going on for you. And, and I trust you guys are going to be real. And oh, yep. I'm going to love what you say. Real stories <laughs> to share. So, go ahead. Well, let's start go with ahead, Kat. Kat. Yeah. Oh, gosh. It's hard because it's like you understand, like you're saying, you. Once you understand the nature of their job and the things that they see and what they're going through, mm-hmm. as long as as the spouse, you're paying attention to that too, instead of just being more involved with the kids or ourselves, um, because it does help to have that perspective when you go into these situations when they come home and there's been a hard call. And I just see like with Brad, it was almost like he'd be fine on the phone at work. And then, you know, even if there was a really hard call, he would still kind of pretend or maybe it's just because he's still at the station has, hasn't come back off of it yet. But, and when he gets home, it's just like anything. If, if the house is a mess Mm -hmm. or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the kids, especially when they're little, you know, they don't, they don't understand that. And so they're just excited to see their dad and they have their complaints and their things. And immediately, unfortunately, they don't have the capacity to handle that for very long. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's sad to see because you can see that that's heartbreaking for them too. Mm-hmm. They hate that. Mm-hmm. I can see it written on Brad's face. Yeah, they judge it's themselves so upsetting. So, yeah, yeah, harshly for that. Mm-hmm. And it, so it's just, <clears throat> oh, that's what makes it or can make it so stressful at home with it like that because it is just little things that the house is a mess. The kids are complaining, you know, even the garage door not opening properly or <laughs> the yeah. car didn't start. And it's, it's like, sounds funny to us. Like we can laugh about it, but in the moment, a not lot so of people funny. that don't live this lifestyle, they don't understand that. Yeah. They're like, really? He just lost his crap over what? A toy on yeah. the floor? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, he did. Yeah. And this is why, you mm-hmm. know, and trying to explain that to them, but most people don't understand that. Mm-hmm. And it's just... I don't know if, do you want to go into like what we're, like how we've helped with that now or just some of the things that we see? Sorry, I should have asked, should have asked that clarifying question before, but. Go ahead. It, well, are you feeling, let's switch to Denise to... and just, and then we'll, maybe we'll get to that. Sounds yeah. good. I, 
And, and what I've noticed, you know, just like what Kat said about when you're talking to him on the phone versus when he's home. Mm-hmm. And I, I see the same thing. When he's at work, he's pleasant. You know, when, <laughs> when I talk to him on the phone, he, he seems to have it together. And definitely there is, as much as he hated this, there is a work hat and then there's a home hat. Mm-hmm. And he seems to have it together at work. You know, he, he, he functions he seems to have a higher emotional intelligence at work. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's because he feels safer at home. He can let go a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, he knows that I've got him. Mm-hmm. And that's, that was my sense is like, you're the safe place. You know, at work, mm-hmm. it's not safe to no. look like you're, you know, struggling. Falling and, apart. Yeah. And, and they, and they have to have like this, you know, strong front and, and they, and that's their job really is to be in control and not to be yeah. the one panicking or emotional, you know, especially when they're, they're on a call, but that also is, you know what I mean? Part of that culture. And so part of it is like, how do you be that safe place, but not the dumping ground? Right. You know what I mean? Jeff is a captain. So he's the leader of the crew. Um, he has to hold it together, Mm -hmm. you know? So he's, you know, he's, he's very pleasant and we would go. (laughs) So, you know, we, we do have a quite a few funny stories. So when, when, you know, he, he would work a lot, uh, Jeff and Brad both were raised in a family where they had this work ethic where his dad, his dad's job was to provide for the family. And he, he did that well. Um, his dad was a, a truck driver for a career, his entire career. And he worked a lot. That was his job. And he did it all the time. He's um, gone a lot, a lot. Mm-hmm. And, um, he had very strange hours and he would get up at two in the morning and Mm-hmm. Out the door at two thirty, and um, you know his <laughs> Brad had a friend over. It you know they were up watching movies late at night, and well, he had some some friends over, and the girl said, "Is your dad going?" It's like thirty, and he's like, "I don't know, he's bent." And <laughs> they were laughing about that, and she's like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, Brad has a very very funny sense of humor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so and Jeff and Brad were just expected to do the same thing, you know, and they they just really felt compelled to work a lot. So Jeff has has always felt like if there was an overtime shift available, he needed to work it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he felt like if he didn't, he was lazy mm-hmm. and and he was letting us down. Mm-hmm. Even though I never I never asked him to do that. I never forced yeah. him to do that. You know, he he just always felt like if if he wasn't doing everything possible, that he wasn't fulfilling his role. And yeah, mm-hmm. and sometimes and I think that's true. They have a really strong worth ethic, work ethic, but also like you're mentioning, it work is a little easier right they're trained how to handle how to how to show up at work you yes. know what i mean yes. and and they're that's what they're good at and they they're used to being the helper and then we come home it's complicated and there's kids and there's a mess and and they feel a little like less in control when they're really trained to be right. totally in control all right. the time. I mean, yep. that's really part of what makes them good at what they do. Yes. Go ahead, Kat. Yeah. Well, and the other part of that too, like Brad had mentioned is to me before he's like at work, you ask your crew or the people around you to go do something, they do it mm-hmm. <laughs> because you've asked them and you're the right. one in charge. If you come home and your kids... You ask them to do anything and of course they're not going to do it. Or, oh, just a minute. It's like that, even that is just like, nope. Yeah. Nope. And and it's like a level of respect. Mm-hmm. I hear that a lot. Yeah. Like I'm not respected at home. Like I am at work. <laughs> so it's, just, like it's, it's this whole, it's a whole different ball game for them. Really and you know, yeah. they've been trained so well and at work. And sometimes I, I even bring that up. Like 
I'll teach them something. Oh, I was trained to do that at work, you know, like at a SWAT, SWAT guy. Oh, when I walk into a building, I do this breathing. You know what I mean? Yes. And I say, okay, can you do that at home with your wife right before, <laughs> you know, you get, you walk in the door. Mm-hmm. And so some of that, what you're saying is like, how do we translate that to, mm-hmm. because they do face chaos and home is chaos. And so, yes. you know, they haven't been trained how to kind of translate that into home. And some of that can be really, really helpful. And the problems right. at home sometimes are a whole lot scarier than yeah. what, and the consequences are sometimes a lot heavier mm-hmm. than what they face at work. Definitely. You know, the, and, sometimes yeah. the work problems have clearer answers, very clear answers compared to than home. Yeah. at home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, he sometimes would use work as an escape because it was sometimes easier. Yeah, and I get that. That's very common. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in uh, working with them, and I would say the vast majority of the trauma work I do is with more personal stuff than the work-related stuff. Because, and I think maybe part of them is like, I signed up for the chaos at work, right? Like, <laughs> I didn't know that my personal life would turn into chaos, you know? And so, but it is a heavier load. And, there, and, it, and you know, like we mentioned last time, the divorce rates are higher yes. and... And that load is heavier on you guys and that trickles down to the kids. And so that personal stuff, there's so much angst with that. And they, and they do blame themselves. Like I'm good at work when I come home and things are kind of falling apart. There's so much guilt and shame and, and judgment. We all want to be the perfect parent and there's nothing worse than feeling like we've, we've done something, you know, less than that. And these and kids so, bring us things we never thought they would, and we're not prepared yeah, for anything. No, yeah, but the work stuff kind of does prepare you for what yeah. you're going to see sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it, it throws them for a loop, but yeah. most of the time they're, they know what they're going to go on and they, they've been trained and mm-hmm. boy, these kids. <laughs> yeah. That they is keep true. us guessing. No, and there's no, you know, there's no parenting manual and they all would need their own anyway. So <laughs> even if you have one, you know, you need one for each child. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. They, so he, he did have his, his work hat and then at home it was, you know, the home hat where he could kind of relax, but not in a positive way, mm-hmm. you know? So that was very challenging where, you know, when, when I would talk to him at work, you know, I tried, we would go there, you know, birthdays, we had to be relaxed on, well, you know, dad's at work. So one year our youngest daughter had her birthday and, you know, dad was at work. So I was like, well, Hey, let's go take, you know, she had two really best friends. Let's go take your cake to the fire station. And oh, okay. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. so we, we took her best friends to the fire station and we had cake there and she thought it was so fun. And, you know, of course her friends yeah. were impressed by the engine and, mm-hmm. you know, so that, that was a lot of fun and they actually really flexible with, with holidays, you know, mm-hmm. my family was, you know, horrified, but you know, who knew you didn't have to have Christmas on December 25th. Yeah. Who yeah. knew you didn't have to have Easter on the designated yeah. day. You know, well, exactly. We, and, and it's not a big deal to me. Yeah. You don't have to have Valentine's day, you know, <laughs> it's not a big deal. Yeah. And, and to, to relieve them of that pressure and to say, I'm okay with it and yeah. we can have fun. We, mm-hmm. we can have two Thanksgivings. Okay. Yeah. And seeing the positive side of that. I love that. And that's part of what I want to get to, but I know that you had kind of some ideas as I threw this, this idea out here for yeah. what I'm seeing yeah. and that, you know, like I mentioned, Jeff was on speaker phone and I, I was kind of like, maybe we should, maybe we should shift to another topic, but it sounds like you guys had a little powwow and, <laughs> and decided, no, let's do this. Uh-huh. And I don't, I'm, yeah. I didn't follow up with you. So I don't know really how that went and what you prepared or what thoughts you had. And so, so many, right. 
<laughs> let's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just like, go ahead. Okay. And then um, we'll- I think it's just learning and the communication from the beginning with them and how it helps them to transition from work to home. That's kind of been, that was like a sore spot for Brad and I for the first couple of years because yes. he would just come home angry or if we had something to do, it was just like, I don't know. He just seemed already at max capacity, which I, you come to expect. But there was just one day I kind of lost it on him. I'm like, every time you come home from work, <laughs> you are an asshole. Like every time mm-hmm. or butthole, excuse me, what should we say on here? Um, but he just was like, he's like, yeah, I'm just tired. And I, you know, we were up all night and I just need to sleep when I get home. And I, mm-hmm. well, okay. Like you could have yeah. just told me that. Right. But like th- when I come home. They- Asking for their needs, you know, and that's something that we work on here is like, it's so foreign to them because they want to be the strong one and the helper. And the last thing they do is put their needs out there. But that's so important to have that conversation and say, what do you need to transition so that you can have more capacity and, you know, and, and show up for the family. Yeah. And that hopefully that conversation, like if the wives understand that, okay, you're marrying a fireman and, or a first responder, and these are conversations that have to be had because mm-hmm. it'll alleviate a lot of the frustration and lack of communication. If it's mm-hmm. just, yeah, after yeah. 48 hours, I've run 36 calls in 48 hours and wow. I'm tired and <laughs> I just need to sleep and okay, so let's establish the time for sleep and, you know, things like that. And it made a huge difference, you know, for Brad and just to be able to come home, decompress. And for him, it's usually sleeping because they've been up all night. And then when he wakes up, he's Mm -hmm. not necessarily reset, but he's definitely more capable of handling what we've got going that day. So Mm -hmm. at least a little, Mm -hmm. the the brain function (laughs) is a little bit more there. Yeah. A little more there with sleep. Yeah. Such a great strategy. Thanks Mm -hmm. for bringing that up. Yeah. And then same, same with Jeff. Mm -hmm. Um, When the kids were younger, I was at my wit's end too, after being a single mom for two days, you know, our, our first two were really close together. And so when he came home, I was exhausted. He was exhausted. (laughs) They were excited to see dad. You know, I was excited to see dad because I thought, Oh good. I'm not a single mom anymore. Um, but you know, we were all just tired and cranky. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so at that time, you know, he needed to sleep. So go to bed. Um, so he, he came home, took a nap. It was just a low key day, mm-hmm. the whole day. And that, that mm-hmm. was just the expectation for that first day home. Yeah, I love we that. didn't make plans and we just knew that that day was just, mm-hmm. that's just what we did all day. And yeah, I just turned on movies for the kids and mm-hmm. <laughs> And that yeah, was okay. That you, yeah, that you gave yourself permission to yep. do that. Yeah, low expectations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that but was just okay. Helps you too, like having those low expectations because it does, at least you're both there, but there is something regenerative being like, okay, today's just going to be chill. And even though, you know, you've been single mom for two days and he's right. been at work, that it still helps both. Yeah, and being real and giving yourself permission to do that and have those transition days and so that things just kind of, they have a, a little higher capacity or yeah, makes a lot of sense. And then I learned that if we did that, the rest of the, of, of the four day, so much better mm-hmm. for everybody. So it's, it's worth it to take the time in the beginning for like a reset so that you get kind of that more quality time, even though you, you know, you want to like maximize that yeah. time, but it's, that's just real. Yep. It didn't work. Yeah. Didn't work. Mm-hmm. Oh, and another thing I learned <laughs> 
The honeydew list was a trigger mm. word. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. The honeydew list was not good. Like I I know that it works for some couples, mm-hmm. but seeing that that list on the fridge, like, oh hey, look at all the stuff you have to do. Mm-hmm. And you know, he just did all this at work. And then to come home and go, really? Yeah. And I have to tell you that's so common. And what what I see is they really want that autonomy. They want to be the one to say, this is what I want to work on. And there's something about that, you know, and, and having to be told to, to do things, you know what I mean? And, and just, yeah, I I think that's a really, I'm glad you brought that up because I see that a lot too. Like being treated like a child. Yeah. Something about that and just having the autonomy and the freedom that maybe they don't get at work, you know, they have to do certain things they don't want to do or that are challenging. And, and there's something about having a little more freedom to do what they see is necessary, but there's that, there's that scale, right? Because there are things you need to bring their, to their attention that, that need to be done around the house or that maybe they're better at doing or that they need to have a say on. And so, you know, are there things that you can let go that are the Mm -hmm. one through four? And then when it's like a five through 10, you know, and so like kind of picking and choosing rather than, you know, making this huge list with, with details that are going to overwhelm them. Yes. Mm -hmm. And as a couple, maybe come together. Mm -hmm. What are we going to do today? Yeah. Wanting that. What, what needs to be done and maybe organize and maybe do that while they are at work, Mm -hmm. you know, then that night before, if you talk that night before and say, you know, when, when they're in a good place, Mm -hmm. um, you know, so what, what are our plans for this far day? What, what do you have planned in, in your mind? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. This is kind of what I had in mind, Mm -hmm. you know, prioritize. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. what's, what's realistic. You know, obviously we're not going to get 25 projects done Yeah, while you're home this four day. Being yeah. real. Matter of yeah. importance versus how, like what has to uh-huh. be done versus yeah. yeah. Like, how yeah. many calls have you run? And then when when they get home, okay, how did your night go? Oh, it it was a bad night. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, maybe when you wake up from your nap, maybe we can readjust our plan. Yeah, you know. And I had a horrible night too. Maybe I need a nap mm-hmm. this afternoon, mm-hmm. or maybe it's an early bed night for everybody. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I can go to bed and early and you can put the kids to bed. Yep. And I, the thing I love about what you said is a lot of times, and this really came out in our, in the first episode that, that we just recorded, um, that they, you guys carry so much of the family as much as you can. And they really long to be the dad or the wife, or, you know what I mean? To be that partner. And, and, and as you bring in like, Hey, let's sit down together and what can we do together? And, it, you know, with the right energy and the right time frame, you know what I mean? They've had that kind of reset and they're ready to kind of step up for that. I think that they really crave that because they feel like the outsider, they do take extra shifts. They feel like they show up at work really well. They have all this guilt and judgment and shame about how they show up at home, but you know, they really crave being the partner and the parent with you, you know, so as much of that as you can do is, is so helpful. And they are capable of doing mm-hmm. And if, if we can treat them as though they are capable, mm-hmm. yeah, they'll, they'll step up and do it. And every family has to work so different. Like it's different in our family because it's where we have a combined family too. And so that four day is really short for us because there's a second job included in that. And then there's days that you do or don't have the kids and it ends up being kind of jumbled. But again, it's just about organization and trying to, you know, work out those schedules as best as possible so that they have their time to recover. And at the same time, they can still be a dad and enjoy their kids. 
And I think that's why like trips and like a lot of mm-hmm. camp, things like that, that just you get out and away from your normal environment yes. is such a big deal um, for them or it has been for us. Yeah, that makes so much sense. It's awesome. Good, great ideas. And, you know, I, I'm thinking back to when we were at coffee a couple of weeks ago and I kind of brought this topic up of like complaining. <clears throat> and um, I was telling Austin that I, I had this sense of like, oh, and even Denise said, I wish I would have known this sooner, kind of seeing this, you know, how bringing like those little complaints and just the, how taxing it is on them, how they have very little capacity for it. And then, you know, I kind of described how they judge themselves and then, but it ends up showing up as either anger or just dropping out that dissociation. Do, you know, as I brought this up for you guys, it came up with like the everyday stuff and their capacity. We're focusing on their capacity at home. Okay. And which I think was really useful and helpful because that's really the underlying issue. And I want to shift into what are little communication styles that we can work on that can, you know what I mean? That can be helpful. That was like, if we think of that scale, how okay. do we okay. do yeah, you see yeah. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so I know Jeff, you guys had a conversation yep. about that. Yep. And, um, and like I said, when, you know, that comment of like, I wish I would have understand that. Yes. So it's okay to kind of say, this is what I've seen that hasn't worked. And this is yes. what I kind of see could be helpful. Uh-huh. You know, even at coffee, like I kind of, as I brought that up, I kind of sensed like, oh, wait a second, you know, this kind of feeling. I don't know if I'm right on that, but. There was a time when he was working a lot. He had just changed platoons to a new station. He was in a really busy area and he was working a lot of overtime. He was spent, but he, he, he was really enjoying the area there were a lot of calls um and but the the crew was like man we we this is really unusual we don't get a lot of these type of calls there was a lot of of death there was a lot of really bad calls and they're like man jeff you're you're like dr death like they were <laughs> like they they called him the black cloud or like they were kind of saying he was their lucky charm because they were like assholes you know their firemen are kind of sick in the mind <laughs> Um, <laughs> when they say good, it means, yeah, it means tragedy yeah. for everyone living mm-hmm. within their area. Um, so they were really busy. They were going on a lot of traumatic things, um, which at the time they thought it was good. Probably now it's they're paying a lot of money for their therapist. Um, mm. So he was he was coming home. He was exhausted. Probably his brain was overloaded with all of the things it was trying to process. And so he wasn't real open to conversation. And I didn't know this was the first time we were really mm-hmm. dealing with this situation. So I think I I would have wished I had known that. Okay, he needs to come home, sleep first, talk later. And and I think that was the first time that I had realized that that was the way to, to work it. And and to know that maybe those heavier conversations that I needed to have should have gone to a friend or a close confidant. I think this is before Kat had had come to our family. Um, and I just I didn't really have anybody to talk to at that time. So Jeff felt isolated. I felt isolated. And it was just really, really rough. 
everybody. Because I, at that time, uh, we were living away from the valley, you know, where, where he was working and there weren't really any other fire wives that understood our lifestyle, Jeff's job, the nature of his job. You know, at, at the time, some of our, my friends, I mean, even just the basic, you know, question of like, well, what do you mean your husband doesn't come home? Like they, they didn't even get that. Mm-hmm. So it was, it, it, it was tough to relate. So, you know. Yeah. And, and it's just interesting, you know, to hear from your perspective, like, that lack of awareness that you're not really prepared or Mm-mm. like shown like, okay, this is going to be different for you. You know, it's kind of like, oh, you know, is your husband a firefighter, a doctor, you right. know, like the typical, right. like, oh, he's, he has this, you know, but there's like this whole shift that you noticed in his mental health or in his, yes. the way he deals with stress in the family. And it was just took you by surprise. Like you had to kind of figure it out and navigate it on your own. And, you know, it's kind of, I guess when you look at it, it's like, well, why aren't we like saying this could, could be how it is, you know, and that is different than other professions. Right. And when, when he would, you know, go to work, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. This is what I always wanted. You know, this is what I thought firefighting be. And our, our kids were young, but I think at the time we only had the two kids, um, you know, which were really close in age and not sleeping well at night. So I was tired and, you know, so he thought he was living the dream and, but it wasn't really he expected it was mm-hmm. taking a toll. And so, you know, for, for my friends, I was alone a lot, you know, being like, quote unquote, single mom. Um, and so, you know, everyone on the outside would look at our life and, oh, wow, you know, your husband's a firefighter. How noble, how wonderful. And mm-hmm. so my noble, wonderful husband would come home and just, and that's what it looked like to me on the outside. But then like we would go to church and it would be like, oh, like this perfect family and you know, our kids and, it, but then like he would come home from work and just not really want anything to do with us. Yeah. What's standing out to me is just like this expectation or like this normalcy and you, and you're taken so by surprise that it's not that way and confused. Like it's, you're kind of blindsided. Like why, why is this so different? Is it his problem? Yes. Is it my problem? Yes. And you don't really see, you know, what, um, what's actually going on. And, and that social expectation is kind of like that things should just be normal and right. typical and, and like living the American dream kind of a thing, but, but it's really not that way. Yeah, and that's why I think it's important, like those conversations and, and those, um, even the heavy ones, like Denise was saying, just needs to be done after they've had a chance to sleep. So you really can talk and discuss you know, what their needs are, what our needs are, because that's something I know we've never done, Brad and I. I mean, these conversations have come about over like a blow up or something, like, you know, me calling him out and calling him a name. <laughs> After you've thrown the, the loaf of bread at After him. After I've thrown a loaf of bread at him for not, yeah. Anyway, um, that's another story for another time. But um, I think it's just been a matter of, like you were saying, you have to adapt and try to figure it out. And I don't, maybe just because I could see how down Brad would be um, when he'd come home. It was like, it just kind of turned into, it has to be positive when he gets home, like trying to, you know, do something funny or say something, like just try to lighten the mood a little bit for him, even before they go to sleep. If it's just giving them a hug and being positive for a minute to kind of let them know, it's like, it's okay. You can just, just please take a deep breath and take, get a nap and take, get some sleep so that we can, you know, have get back to our relationship and our family time. Yeah. And, and all the first responders are different, but in like, I definitely think there's like kind of a low tread or a low capacity to navigate like the home 
um, as far as like anger that comes out or fights. Mm -hmm. They just, it kind of is devastating to them. They see so much of that out in the world, the domestic issues and things like that. And so it's, you know, and it's, that's what I think we're all passionate about. Like, how do we change this culture and speak about this so it doesn't end up in a big blow up or a disaster or a some kind of a horrible breakdown when they're already suffering and that, and that nervous system is already so taxed and they don't want to bring those things home. And, and how do we make it kind of part of the culture to know, like to set up ahead of time so that we're, you know, setting up for them to succeed rather than kind of fail with these like normal expectations that aren't, aren't realistic. Right. Right. And the thought just hit me too, is that at that time of our life when, you know, he would come home and, you know, the kids were little and from the outside, it looked like probably, you know, he had achieved his dream job and he was working, you know, where he always wanted and always thought he wanted. And, and you know, from, from the outside, everything looked great, but on the inside behind closed doors it was a mess. And that's probably at the point where a lot of divorces happen because on the surface, he, he, he looked like a jerk, you know? And I was building this resentment. But at that moment, I saw what I saw and what I knew were different. I knew that that wasn't the Jeff, that what he presented and what he was, two different people. And and I knew that my Jeff was still in there. I'm going to cry. And even through all of this that has happened, my Jeff is still trying to come out. And um, when you said, you know, they they run these calls with these domestic issues, you know, he he still gets really angry when he sees uh, child abuse is one that they they never ever have that dark humor about when children are involved. You know, they get angry when when they they run on calls where a man has beaten his wife. You know, they're not very nice. <laughs> on those calls. They have a lot of compassion for those women, those children. Um, but all too often in their home life, they see themselves becoming those, those men that are short term. It's not who we call. And, and I see that, that that's my person still living inside. And he gets so frustrated that he just can't, like, how come I just can't be nice? How come I, you know, and, and he gets so frustrated with himself. And and I know if, if he just comes home and takes care of himself the way he knows he should, but he can't, like, he, he just doesn't know how. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm so grateful that he had this time here, this six weeks that he can learn how to do that, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. And, and Kat's getting emotional. I want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> but first, I want to just say from my perspective, I look at it from a nervous system perspective, right? And and PTSD is trauma, no recovery, trauma, no recovery, yes. trauma, no recovery. When you look at the window of tolerance and they're dysregulated 99% of the time, yes. they are coming from that fight or flight or the freeze and they don't care. I mean, they do care about the future, but they don't, their brain has shut off to that. Like relationships matter and the future matters. And they're just in that survival mode. And you know, a part of what I'm doing is helping them to recognize that, find ways to grow their window find, you know, stay in their window so that they can come from that true best self. Right. And so, and so this is kind of what that imploding that's happening in the self-judgment and the shame, because this is a heavy load for them. And you know what I mean? They're, and so they're not recovering from this over and over again. And then, and then there's so much fear about becoming who they see in society, you know? And so it's just, it's so complicated. And and you know, as you're describing this, you you want that normal family, and you don't, and you don't even know where this is all coming from yes. because the the social expectation is just to look normal and act <laughs> normal, and 
You know what I mean? And it's happening for all yeah. these other families. All the way. Yeah. It, it probably isn't. I mean, behind their closed doors, they have their own issues. Right. Everyone does. But mm-hmm. it, this is a different animal and this is showing up and there is a reason uh, for what is going on that, that can be addressed, you know, if we, if we're aware. Yes. Kat, as she was sharing, you know, you were really uh, relating with what she was saying. What's, what are you noticing? Huh? <laughs> So, no, it just like, it, it made me um, remember one of my thoughts was just because it is, it's, you know, that they are still in there and that they don't like what this is doing to them. And yet they still have such a hard time articulating what's going on. Mm-hmm. And that's why it does come out so much in their actions. And I just, with Brad, it was like trying to uh, all along the way, help him see to like the good parts of him that were still there and to try to like say, no, you know, this is this part of it isn't you. You're the one that started this job because you do care and you yeah. do love and you do have compassion and you do want, you know, these changes for people. And that's why it also takes on so much weight because you see all the horrific things and you see these, these people that are suffering and you're the ones that are helping them. And it's just trying to like almost redirect it a little bit in that way. Like it's okay to feel sad and it's okay. Even though they don't take that in all the time, you know, I think for Brad, at least in our world, that helps. Tim kind of take a deep breath like okay well at least my wife doesn't think I'm a piece of shit sure. you know and yeah I might think it but, my wife <laughs> but just that type you know to so that they know that yeah you have their back and that it's they won't become what they're seeing yeah even if yeah. they're even if their behavior makes it seem that way but it is just comes down to just what you were saying it's physiological it's how yeah. They are, you know, rewiring their brains with what they're seeing and having that understanding makes all the difference too. And it's very, you know, the shame and fear is so Mm -hmm. big too. And so we're, you know, learning how to like, how to alleviate some of that and how that can actually create that, you know, like what we don't want, almost a self-fulfilling prophecy, but it becomes... Yeah. So it's, it's a lot going on and it's, you know, it's super challenging, but thank you for, for sharing that. Denise, really quick. And then I want to shift into this last part. One thing that I have really learned, um, from, from watching everything that Kat has gone through. Um, I, I see that with, with the firefighting career, you know, they, they prepare them and they train them to do the job. You know, they, they buy like the government will in the, the entities they they will buy the equipment to do the job, you know, the, the engine and the gear and they train them on it and all of that. One thing that has been severely overlooked is the mental health part. They don't prepare them for this mm-hmm. job. And it is something that we have got to get out there. They do not prepare them for what they see. And, you know, they, they even prepare them physically for it, for, for their body. And they, they, they train them and they, that's a major part of, of every single academy is the physical training. They won't take them. They, they won't hire them if, if they can't pass certain tests. I mean, they, and they, they do some somewhat of a mental evaluation, but then that's it. You know, they don't do an ongoing mental health. You know, they need tools. They need to know like signs of, okay, are you getting to the point where you need to offload? You know, mm-hmm. are you doing maintenance? Do you know how to keep yourself mentally healthy? That's such a great point. So well said. I think that's exactly right. And hopefully we're shifting more into that. Definitely over, you know, the years that I've worked here, Chateau seen an, an increase in support and like social acceptance and advocation for that. And so I'm really, you know, let's hope that it keeps going. 
But as you know, as we're talking about this, and I think you guys did such a great job at noticing, like uh, speaking to like that transition from work to home and kind of what you've noticed could be useful and, um, you know, finding like that is kind of shutting down, like letting there be a low key day to kind of set you up for some success, you know, later on. And that, like we talked about the honey-do list, like kind of maybe, maybe partnering more with that or um, just, you know, leaving out like the little teeny things and just yeah. focusing on what really needs to be done. But what I'm seeing is, and, and I just want to throw this out there, maybe what you have noticed with this is like really, you know, they, you, we mentioned about being positive, how they kind of like crave that and they've just come off from like domestic calls or like people's worst days, you know, and kind of being there for them. And how, what, what I really see is they need like the fun, the love, yes. the joy, the humor, like what funny happened that day, you know, what cute happened that day. And, you know, we, we tend to just socially, you know, the, the culture and the, and socially, we, we kind of tend to complain, oh, I'm tired. Oh, I'm this, or oh, I have a headache. And, and how do we shift from those things that kind of tax their nervous system to oh, listen to this funny thing that happened today, or even like, you know, I've talked to you a little bit about this. I think Denise, like looking back on like disasters that happened and how you can even laugh at those sometimes. And that (laughs) brings so much hope and fun into like, look at what we survived, you know? And so what have you guys noticed along those lines that's helpful? Like let's shift into like what to do to really um, like little shifts in conversations. Like I mentioned, maybe that one through four scale we're using for our girlfriend or, you know, someone else for that. And, and shifting some of the like casual conversations into the joy and the humor, things like that. I almost ended up having to write stuff down on occasion. Like if the kids did something funny, because (laughs) we're also really wrapped up in our own worlds and it can be really hard to be positive sometimes um, when there's been some, a couple hard days, but it is, it's just like writing down some of the funny things the kids did or said, or even, you know, when you're taking pictures that you're able to show them later, you know, that it kind of does lighten the mood and it's still about the kids and your family, but it's in a more positive light or you'd never guess Tyler just ripped a big fart in the grocery (laughs) store yesterday. This actually happened. And, Mm -hmm. you know, just have everybody around watching and, you know, just... Oh, anyway. And so um, when, when you've done that, you mm-hmm. know, and kind of been aware and have the capacity and prepared for that, how, what have you noticed? Has it, it makes a big difference yes. in his, how he responds to that initially for one, but it's almost like they can kind of snap out of, well, depending on how low that, that low is when they come home, but it really does help them snap out of it a little bit. Like, okay, humor, something I get, we can do humor, you know, or the, it does kind of change their mind frame for the day in that way. And, but it also takes mental preparation on my end mm-hmm. too, on our end, because it's, it's also it's really taxing to just be like, okay, I'm really tired and I'm really scattered too, but this matters and this makes our day better. And so that's why it's worth that, you know, preparing for that transition in that way. Good. Yeah. And like I said, it's not the norm. It's not, Mm -hmm. but I think it's a little transition or a little way to kind of look or perspective to look at it that can be really simple, but have a huge difference, you know, on that like transition day 
where they're coming home and and really making it like here's the fun, the cute, and the even yeah. how you like just greet them makes mm-hmm. all the difference. Yeah. yeah, are you smiling? Like, did you, like, do you smile? Are you angry? Do you look angry? Mm-hmm. You know, if you've got RBF or whatever it is, it's like at least your <laughs> and spouse it would know have that. To be fake, like it can it be doesn't. funny. You know, it can be like you no makeup, pajamas still, and it's later right. in the day. And right. guess what? Guess what? <laughs> look at me. This you know, is me. And, yeah. Instead of you know like the anger mm-hmm. or resenting them and handing, yep. trying to push things onto them, but like just being real, yep. Yep. you know, and like, oh, look at me, this has been my day and, and just making it fun. And yeah, yeah, just like a little change in attitude. Mm-hmm. I had a, um, I texted him one day. So I, I was at work and, um, oh God, I love those stretchy pants. It, it was a stretchy <laughs> pants day. <laughs> and, uh, I texted him and I'm like, you will never believe what I did today. And I mean, it, it those days have to be recorded because, you know, we, we, we all have them. And I, th- this was something I texted out in, in our family text too. Um, and, and I even took a picture because it had to be recorded for family, family history here. I wore my pants backwards all day to and work. nobody noticed. How can this go? Like it, it was backwards. All day. I mean, granted, they, they were stretchy pants, but still, how how does one do this? And it, it was just one of those days where, yeah, they were backwards all day, yeah. all day long. Like, how how do you even yeah. do that? And that's so real and so funny and cute, you know, and just like being able to laugh about that. Uh-huh. But even some, you know, I know that you talk about dark humor, but even like... <laughs> Like some of the humor around, you know, even that, that they have a low capacity or that they, you know what I mean? Like that they're a little grumpy or, you know, instead of like taking offense or taking it personal or being disappointed, which all of that is real kind of using like the humor and the fun and the, (laughs) I do encourage encourage him to, if, if I can sense that in him, I can like usually try to pull out stories from him. I'm like, okay, well tell me a funny thing that happened. And, Mm -hmm. and usually I can get him to stop focusing so much on like, you know, and, and he'll, he'll start focusing more on the positive or the funny or, you know, and then his, his focus can change, you know, and, and then the funny stories start coming out or, you know, the positive starts coming out. And then, then we have like some really good family stories that the kids remember. And then, you know, they start saying, oh, hey, dad, you know, tell me about that one call you had of, you know, the, the psych patient that had the imaginary husband under the bed that was, you know, <laughs> and it's there. And then he's engaging with the kids and then it's, you know, everyone's laughing and the whole mood in the house changes. And then they're interacting with each other and it's just totally different. Mm-hmm. I love, I love hearing how, what has worked, mm-hmm. you know, and involving like their day or, or their shift and what, what came up and the kids and, and what things have kind of helped you shift into, like, even though these are, I mean, this is our reality, right? Yes. This is our reality of what dad comes home with and uh-huh. they're kind of seeing like shedding a light on that yeah. and and making it real yeah. in a, in a mm-hmm. way that's like positive and yeah, yeah. so Just, our our youngest daughter um she she is really interested in in uh, EMT things or our actually our our oldest daughter too she she was looking at maybe going into the field at one point so um our our, our youngest daughter did a, a ride along with Jeff um one time and she loves telling the story how there was a, a call that came in and she was with the paramedic and they were going around the house. You know, nobody answered the door when they got on scene and you know, she was 
they finally got in and there was a little chihuahua there. And so she was on scene with her dad and, you know, she got to hold the chihuahua and she had, so she retells the story and she was interacting with, with Jeff on scene and she just, she cherishes these memories that she got to work with him. Yeah. I love that. And, and, you know, I love how you brought, bring out the, the good aspects of yes. the career and that you love it. Yes. And how do we kind of shift from these things that were kind of unspoken or unaware of that everyone's probably experiencing on some level and shift those into like better awareness, more, being more effective in just those conversations that we have or the transition time. And then, you know, really, you know, let those beautiful times and fun times and, you know, be part of, of the lifestyle too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. You, you can merge it. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't always have to be the dark, dreaded PTSD. There is a lighter side where there are wonderful moments and there are great stories. And it, it really is a good career. It is a good family lifestyle. And that's what I want to remember when he retires. That's what I want our kids to remember. All of the positive things. Because there's a lot. I love that. Thank you. I think that wraps it up so well. Kat, last words on anything? Just to follow up with Denise, I do. I feel like it really does help the family dynamics to have that. And I know it can be really hard for them to come home and start to share anything about work. And so, yeah, it's just being willing to ask them and, and start them talking because there are some hysterical stories <laughs> and it does then make the kids feel involved in what they're doing. And, you know, us as wives or spouses to feel like we're involved in what they're doing and to get those stories. And so you feel like you can really understand on some level, you know, some of the good stuff too, because it does, it, that is the lighter side. It's actually in a lot of ways, a really um, good career for a family. Family, um, as long as you understand the entirety of the dynamics, mm, you know, yeah. and how it can go bad really quick, but it also can be really good mm. too. And that, that there will be both, but this is important for them to know because we want more happy, healthy families, mm-hmm. not the ones really struggling. Yeah. And there's just some minor, like, I mean, there's major shifts, you know, getting treatment, like we talked about last time, but there's also some minor things that can just make that, you know, more effective, Mm -hmm. like this, the whole um, scenario at home and be more effective and, and meet their needs and your needs in a way. I think that that is really healthy. Coming up with two, this was just my last thought on that coming up with ways to play together. Like I know I had mentioned that earlier, but it's such a big deal. Even if it's just going to the park and you're sitting in a hammock or you're going and riding a bike or you're, you know, throwing marshmallows Mm -hmm. in the river or whatever it is, it's just like, it helps to play in that way because that's how they respond best too. I feel like then they're, that's how they bond with the kids. That's how they Mm -hmm. bond with us. It's easier for them than trying to make Mm -hmm. conversation with their kids. Yes. So it it like evolves organically rather than like, well, how was your day? (laughs) What was the best? What was the worst part? And kids don't like that anyway. And then they feel forced. And so play is a big one, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say, you know, we do a lot of that at Chateau, like, you know, ropes course there, which they're at today and just like different things and that I do that are playful and they do crave that. That's such a great, great point. I'm glad you brought that in. Out of their normal environment into a different environment and Mm -hmm. having those normal conversations in a different environment, Mm -hmm. it, it works. Awesome. His, his friends um, said one time, 
you could either pay for the boat or the trailer, or you could pay for therapy later on. <laughs> and, yeah. that, and, and, and I wish I would have, or we would have done that earlier on. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Can well, see and it's also, being sorry, it's also way. important to understand that even like for us, we've played a lot and, and I've done that on purpose because of the dynamics of our family with it being a blended family. And so I've tried to incorporate that, but it's even amongst that you know, it's the bad that can still happen. It's just being aware, like we're talking about. Yes. And like this, the little things sometimes that really do make a difference and that the play matters because those memories are then there, but um, to just yeah, be, be flexible aware. with mm-hmm. it to have yep. the structure of play, but also be flexible to what their capacity is and exactly. what you expect of them. Yes. And- Maybe change plans and make it more simple if you're noticing, okay, this yeah. isn't going like to be packing fun. up is overwhelming. Him. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yes. Let's just yeah. start over. Yeah. Be okay, okay. with it. Yeah. yeah. So much to figure out. You guys are so awesome to come on here and be vulnerable and just explore this and kind of let, let us throw this at you yes. and see what's real. And I really appreciate you being here. I think we're all care about the same thing. And that is, you know, um, finding like the best outcome for all of them. And, um, and so thanks again. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate this. Chateau recovery is a 16 bed treatment facility nestled in the foothills of the Wasatch mountains in Midway, Utah. Chateau's first responder resiliency program is designed to treat the unique challenges and issues that first responders encounter in the course of their careers. Chateau's comprehensive and highly individualized approach to treatment addresses more than just the presenting issues. It addresses the why. Each of their seasoned, trauma-trained, and culturally competent therapists utilize evidence-based, specialized therapies to treat trauma at its core and enable clients to begin the healing process while developing a resilient and healthy relationship with stress. Chateau Recovery is trusted by departments and agencies from around the country to treat responders and veterans. In fact, it is one of only a handful of facilities nationwide that is vetted and approved to treat members of the Fraternal Order of Police. For more information, or to speak to a representative, go to chateaurecovery.com or call 888-507-5031.